Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Howard David Live. We take a bite of the Big Apple with Mark Canizero of the New York Post, who's been covering uh, the New York Jets for how long now, Mark? Oh, man. I was the Jet Beat writer from the 2000, from, from 1993 at the Post to 2010, and covering the Jets, and I've been doing columns uh, since 2010, uh, you know, kind of, you know, focusing on both teams and, uh, uh, and, and golf as well. Uh, I'm glad you brought up golf. Uh, obviously, I know that you're a golf columnist for the Post. I watched the Tour Championship last weekend, and I said to my wife, "Why are we watching this?" And she says, "What do you mean?" I said, "It doesn't make any difference. It's all, these guys are just playing for a lot of money. It, it's it's I don't know. Was I rooting for Patrick Cantley? I guess so, because a lot of people don't know him as much as John Rahm." or DeChambeau, or Justin Thomas, or any of the guys. So, I mean, he's the guy who wins $15 million. <laughs> one one weekend, he wins $15 million. Guy's not going to have to work the rest of his life. Well, I mean, you're right about the these guys are playing for so much money, and you do kind of, to some degree, Howard, I think you, you almost kind of, because so many of these athletes, not just golf, but, you know, football, baseball, basketball, all the things we watch and, and, and cover, the, the money has gotten so huge now that your, your eyes almost kind of glaze over when you hear $15 million. But when you really think about it, I mean, John Rahm was sec- won second place at the FedEx company, and he walked away with $5 million. In fact, he had a great, great line afterwards, when, you know, when he was talking to a few reporters about how, it felt weird to feel disappointed finishing in second place, and yet he still made $5 million, you know. Um, but, yeah, $15 million. Obviously, when the FedEx Cup first started, it was $10 million, and that was the whole point was kind of that pot at the end of the rainbow kind of thing. And um, it's still pretty incredible. And, and, and I, I don't get that jacked up about the FedEx Cup. You know, I, I, you know, I'm more about the majors and the Ryder Cup, which I'll be covering, you know, in another week and a half. Um, but... The golf, that, that said, the golf, and I don't know if you and your wife stayed on it or not, but the golf was extraordinary. And yes. It really was incredible to watch what, what Cant, the way Cantley's playing right now and a continuation of what Rahm has done this season, which has just been, you know, just incredibly good. And no question in my mind, he's a player of the year, even though he has not won as often uh, as Cantley. I just think, you know, he's, he's been the best player from start to finish. Well, he would have won one more tournament, but they kind of took it away from him with the COVID. And and uh, I'm trying to remember which exact tournament it was. I know that you. That was the memorial. Yeah, that was the memorial, and, and it's a good point too because you know the the player of the year is voted on by the players, Howard. And I am quite certain that when when the players are making their calculations or or their decisions and whatnot on whom to vote for, there's no question in my mind they're going to give John Rom credit for that that memorial win victory, which actually Cantley won, by the way. 
Uh, I mean, because, you know, for our listeners, you know, Rom had a six-shot lead, you know, through three rounds and then have ended up having to withdraw because he tested positive for COVID. He wasn't going to lose a six-shot lead on Sunday. So I think the majority of the PG Tour players that will be voting on that player of the year, n- n- taking nothing away, you know, from how great of a season Cantley's had, they're going to give Rom credit for that for that memorial victory, even though he wasn't the one that wasted the trophy. Let's get into the New York Jets. Jets have had one winning season in the last 10, likely to make it 11. But having said that, there is optimism with this Jets team. Uh, and not because they're going to make the playoffs or win the Super Bowl or, or even have a winning record. There just seems to be a team and an organization now for the first time in several years that looks like they're heading in the right direction. It does because of the people involved. Uh, you know, let's start with Robert Sala. Uh, Robert Sala, the, you know, the, the head coach they hired this past offseason. Even though he's never been a head coach before, he just has a way about him, an enthusiasm about him, um, that just kind of makes you believe that, that things are going to be different and that, and that players are going to... There's no question in my mind, Howard, the players are going to, you know, they're going to play for this guy. I mean, he is a motivator times 10. And uh, so guys are going to run through walls for this guy, which is, that's you know, that's part of that's you know, a very large part of the battle, so to speak, if you're a head coach, in my opinion. Um, you know, Salah has surrounded himself with a lot of young, talented coaches, but a lot of guys who don't have a lot of experience. You know, uh, you know, Michael Floor is, is, uh, is, is offensive coordinator. He's never been a coordinator before. Uh, his defensive coordinator has never been a defensive coordinator before. Salah's never been a head coach before. So there's a lot of newness there. Uh, but if you add that, to you know the, the young man that they they drafted out of BYU at quarterback Zach Wilson, uh, who has looked really good this summer. Again, it's just summer and it's three preseason games, and, a, and you know he hasn't. I mean, he hasn't, hasn't even been knocked down yet. Uh, so you know he hasn't faced any adversity yet, and he's going to. Uh, but you know it's clear he's got the chops and the skills, and so let's see how that translates at, at this end of the league. You know, one guy I'm very excited about who I'm actually writing a column on for tomorrow's paper uh, in the New York Post, Howard, is uh, is Elijah Moore, the receiver they drafted out of Ole Miss. I mean, this guy has looked to me like the best player on the field in training camp for the Jets. I mean, I, I'm not sure I've seen a ball hit the ground that was, that's been passed, you know, thrown in his direction. Uh, you know, this guy that dropped, I think he caught 80-something balls last year at Ole Miss, 86 maybe. And dropped two, you know, two balls all year. So hmm. this this kid has really, really impressed me a lot, uh, and he has a chance to be dynamic and maybe the best offensive rookie in the league this year. Right, my grandson's a big Jets fan. Okay, he's 16 years old, lives and dies with the Jets and all of that, and he's been dying with them like a lot of Jet fans for a long time. But I told him, I said, watch this Elijah Moore. I uh, I saw him twice last year on television. And he blew me away. Uh, he's not a, uh, you know, he's not a six foot three, two hundred and thirty pound receiver. He's a, he's a smaller guy, but he's got quickness. He's got speed, and I think that's one of the things that I have noticed about what Joe Douglas has done. I think he's surrounded Zach Wilson, obviously with more talent than than Sam Darnold had, and they are all. There's a lot of speed with this wide receiver group. There's a lot of speed with this backfield room as well. 
Uh, but for 50 years, as you well know, the Jets organization has been looking for the next Joe Namath. The question is, is Zach Wilson the answer? We won't know the answer to that question probably for two years. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take some time. And, and you know, the reality is, it's funny, last week we had a, we spent a little time with Joe Douglas, the Jets GM, and and, uh, and Robert Sala. And, and, and Sala, for this entire summer, has been trying to do do everything he can to lower the expectation and to try to take the pressure off his team because he knows how young this team is. Uh, it's going to be the, it's the youngest roster in the league without, you know, and, and uh, it's going to be a lot of rookies starting on both sides of the ball. And so, you know, the Jet fan can't go into this year realistically hoping and wanting for, for the first playoff appearance, you know, since 2010, because that's just not going to happen. But, you know, what you want to see if you're a Jet fan is you want to see progress. You want to see Zach Wilson playing well and, sh- and showing the signs of a guy that, you know, with that talent you just mentioned around him that they brought in. You want to see him, you know, show that he is, you know, he has a chance to be the future. Uh, you know, I think we spent three years with Sam Darnold, you know, watching the Jets not progress, you know, and there was very, very, there were few, few and far between signs that Sam was really the answer. And at the end of the day, in fairness, they didn't surround him well enough, of course. But Sam also was not the kind of quarterback that elevates the guys around him, in my opinion. He was not a, a guy that was worthy, of, in my opinion, of being picked as high as he was in the draft, which, unfortunately, most of these quarterbacks, quarterbacks aren't. So, you know, if you're a Jet fan and, and you're watching the Jets losing 28-24, to 35-31 games where Zach Wilson's lighting it up, and okay, well, they got to fix the defense in the offseason. Then you're gonna, there's reason for optimism because then you see that your quarterback, you know, has got some dynamic, you know, ability to, you know, to put a lot of points on the board. Something the Jets have not done in in a long, long time. So yeah, I, I think the simplest way to put it is they're, they're not going to win more games than they lose. Uh, they're probably looking at a five or six win season. Uh, but it can be a fun five or six win season for Jet fans if they're putting points on the board and, and Jet fans are seeing, you know, Zach Wilson put up big numbers, and, and, and that'll that'll allow you to you know go into next season hoping that they you know bring some more talent in on defense and, and build it that way. Mark Canizero, uh taking a bite of the Big Apple today. I'm looking at the schedule, and there's six games they play against last year's playoff teams. But let's include now, you also got to uh, look at a division, the AFC East, that's gotten better. Uh, the Bills are expected to win the division. The Patriots are highly thought of with all the additions they've made through free agency. Uh, and now Mac Jones at quarterback is, is telling a good story in New England. Miami, uh, they won 10 games last year. Uh, are they better or worse? We're going to find out. But I look at this Jets team and I say to myself, and you said it, if they win five or six games but are competitive in the games that they lose, I think the Jet fans can accept that. Well, they're going to have to, you know. Uh, you know, what you just hope is you're not losing, you know, games 28 to 6, you know, and things like that because then you're not competitive and the and quarterback is not showing progress and showing that you can put points on the board and, and Elijah Moore is not making all the big plays that we think he may make this year. Um, you know, so 
that's really at this point, and it, it almost I almost feel bad saying this because the Jet fans have watched nothing but losing seasons for more than a decade now. But you know, it, this is a total restart, and you just are going to have to be satisfied with trying with hoping that this team is competitive, and uh, and that the quarterback is showing the kind of you know the kind of chops that they think he has. Um, you know, because I think the defense is going to struggle. Uh, this, you know, in, in particular, I mean, obviously, they, you know, you know, losing Lawson in this, uh, in, in, you know, to the Achilles was a was at, was a crushing blow because I think on the other side of the ball, he was the best player on the roster uh, this 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 uh, this summer. I mean, with his pass rushing ability, he was just creating havoc, and uh, you know, they they got issues. You know, I mean, they they don't really have a pass rush. They're 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 secondary. Other than Marcus May, uh, he was a veteran safety, who's by the way the longest tenured Jet on the entire roster at, at, in his fifth season this year. Which that gives you an idea of how young this team is. Uh, but you know they're going to start two cornerbacks. That you know, I mean Bryce Bryce Hall on one side is a second year cornerback who started the last seven games last year. You know he's he's the grizzled veteran in that group. Mm. The rest of these guys are 22, 23 years old and just haven't played. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a rookie on the other side. So, you know, I think in the short term, what you hope to on this Sunday, and I'm heading down to Charlotte to cover the Jets-Panthers game, where they'll be facing two of their former players, Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson. And I think what you, if you're a Jets fan, you hope and pray, really the Jet front office is hoping and praying, that, that, that Darnold does not light them up and that Robbie Anderson does not make their secondary look like a bunch of you know teenagers trying to play high school ball, because uh, that's those are two distinct possibilities that are that are laying out there. It's a fascinating dynamic because you, you've got Robert Sala making his head coaching debut, you've got Zach Wilson you know making his debut at quarterback for the Jets. But on the other side of the ball, you know you're playing Darnold, and I'm sure he would like nothing better than to throw about 310 yards and three or four touchdowns. And Robbie Anderson, who had just lowballed uh, a couple of years ago, uh, leading into last year, uh, I'm certain would you know delight in, in you know catching a couple of long balls uh, you know for seven points. So those are two things you give your Jet fan you don't want to see on Sunday. Yeah, no, the the revenge factor always plays a big role. Uh, let me look at this wide receiver group with you, Mark. Uh, Jamison Crowder, uh, there's some questions. Will he play on Sunday? Because I know there was a COVID protocol to deal with. Yeah, he's, he is still in the protocol, but if he is vaccinated, though, Howard. So if he is well enough physically to play, and, I, and we, none of us knows whether he has had symptoms or not, hopefully not. Uh, but protocol-wise, because he's vaccinated, he'll be eligible to play on Sunday if he's well enough, you know, if, if the trainers and the doctors and the coaches are seeing enough out of him. You know, we'll see how what, what, what happens in practice this week. But, he, you know, he's the one veteran guy in the group, uh, very, very dependable guy, um, and, uh, you know, more of a slot receiver. Um, you know, they need everything they can get, so they, they really would, you know, certainly like to have him out there. There's no question about it. All right, they acquired uh, Corey Davis in free agency. He and, and uh, Wilson were hooking up frequently during the preseason games. Uh, I would imagine he's the primary target. Then you got Denzel Mims from last year uh, and Crowder, who we've mentioned, plus Tyler Croft, the tight end. I was curious, 
The Jets cut four tight ends. That leaves them with two. Was that surprising? It was a little surprising, but, uh, I mean, the problem is they they have a bunch of tight ends on the roster all summer, and none of them was very good. You know, I mean, Croft actually had a pretty good preseason, a good training, I mean, a couple touchdown catches in preseason. Um, so, you know, he's clearly the best of the group. Um, I'm fascinated to see what's going to go on with Denzel Mims. To me, he's like, the, he's the mystery receiver to me because, you know, he's got, you talk about the, 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 the look and the tools and the, 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 the physical build. I mean, he has all of that. And, you know, not a very good route runner coming out of college. Uh, last year was just injury riddled. This summer, and you know, off season, but a bit injury uh, issues. He had some food poisoning. And he just seemed to have fallen out of favor with the coaches. But, you know, I mean, at this point, he's like the fifth, maybe the fifth receiver in that group, which is pretty amazing. Corey Davis, I think, is, is quality. I mean, this guy's, you know, he's, he's proven himself, you know, uh, and this is why the Jets brought him in in the offseason. I mean, this guy's a really, really good receiver. Um, and, and I think, you know, between Corey and, uh, and Elijah Moore, who we spoke about before, uh, and if Crowder is healthy, that's a pretty good top three right there. If Mims can play well uh, and, and just kind of get out of the doghouse, so to speak, and, and, sh- and show his skills, that's going to be a massive bonus for the Jets. Well, you know, the key, obviously, is giving Wilson protection. Uh, before I even get into the running backs, the offensive line, uh, another question mark. A young offensive line, uh, what do you see? Is Can this offensive line give Wilson what he needs? I think, you know, I mean, if you're looking at, you know, uh, the two teams here in town, uh, you know, there's a lot of angst and hand-wringing going over the Giants offensive line right now. I don't think there's even a nearly of that amount for the Jets offensive line. I mean, Makai Beckton is – Beckton is actually was a pro, is still in the concussion protocol as of yesterday, but he is expected to be okay. He got hit in the head. Um you know, during the, about a week and a half ago, and he so he's been out of the mix. But he, you know, I thought he was fantastic last year. I thought he was probably, if he wasn't the best rookie left tackle out of the group, he was, he was amongst the top couple. Um, you know, I, I like, you know, I mean, George Fant. Uh, you know, we're not even sure who's going to be the right tackle, whether it's going to be Moses or Fant. I a feeling it's going to end up being Moses, but uh, Robert Sala did not make that announcement yesterday, but those guys are two pretty good tackles on the right side, and I I think the offensive line is going to be okay, to be honest with you. I mean, I um, uh, I'm not going to say it's the best in the league, but it's got pretty good potential. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not a big worry to me, I guess is the best way I could put it. I I wouldn't certainly put in the worry category like the Giant fans are worried about their offensive line protecting Daniel Jones. Uh, So I you know, I, I think that they're going to be okay at offensive line. You know, you, you mentioned the running backs. There's not really a star in the group there, so I'm kind of curious how that's going to play out. But, you know, if you look at Kyle Shanahan's offense, you know, with, with the Niners, which obviously LaFleur is a disciple of, you know, they ran a bunch of different guys in and out of there. You know, they, there was no one guy in general, you know, there was always a lot of fresh legs coming in and out, running that kind of motion offense. So I know there's a lot of people saying, well, they don't have a running back, you know, know, a a top flight starter, so to speak. Well, they had that Le'Veon Bell, you know, 
the last couple of years and had that work out. He didn't, he didn't do so well. So right. hopefully the system is going to be more important than the, than the running backs themselves, if that makes any sense. Well, I mean, Michael Carter, to me, well, there's two Michael Carters, one on each side of the ball. Michael Carter, the running back, uh, impressed me in a couple of games that I watched him play. He looked like he had uh, uh, the ability to hit the hole quick. Uh, Tevin Coleman has got experience, obviously. LaMichael Pirine, Ty Johnson. Who do you think emerges? I don't know that anybody's going to emerge. I, that's, I really see, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just feel like there's really going to be a lot of guys touching the ball. Um, as, you, as you mentioned, you know, Tevin Coleman's got the experience. He's also got experience in that system. So that helps him a lot. Uh, you're right. Michael Carter was, was impressive, I thought, this, this summer. He was, uh, it's funny. You look at that guy. Uh, first thing I noticed, he just got Saquon Bar- Barkley uh, uh, quads. I mean, I think he'd give a pretty good run for his money to, to Barkley. I mean, he is a low-to-the-ground, powerful dude, but he's got some explosiveness. So I do like what I saw out of him. I mean, P. Ryan, we, you know, he just seemed like just another guy last year to me. He's been, actually been hurt, so he's been a little bit out of the mix. Ty Johnson is, you know, he's explosive too. I mean, he's had some some explosive runs last season, but I just don't see one guy coming out of there running for 1,200 yards this year. I think you can have a lot of five, four, five, six hundred yard guys, maybe a seven or eight hundred yard guy stuck in here somewhere. Mark Canazero, the New York Post, taking a bite of the Big Apple with Mark. Um, if there's a player that is chomping at the bit to get back on the field, it's got to be C.J. Mosley. I mean, here's a guy that, uh, I mean, two years ago, we remember his first game, and Jet fans were going, wow, look what we got here. Well, he hasn't played since the year before last. Uh, I, I mean, I got to believe that this guy is looking to make plays, like, immediately. Well, I'm sure he is, and I'm kind of curious. I think, you know, the big, the big question mark is, you know, obviously, you know, he's got fresh legs. Um, you know, does he still have the same? He's lost a lot of weight leading into this year. Uh, than that is playing weight at the start of last year. So um, I'm, I'm sorry, the last time he was playing, I should say, he obviously opted out last year. Um, so he's taking some weight off. He's slimmer. He feels like that's going to make him faster. Um, you know, you just wonder when somebody's been away from the game for a couple of years. Le'Veon Bell, who I just referenced, sat out that one year in the contract dispute. Right, came back to the Jets and was not the same running back. You know, does that same kind of thing happen to a linebacker? I don't know. I mean, I think C.J. Mosley, who's still young, is, is going to be, you know, the best player on defense the Jets have. I mean, that's not that's a, not a big stretch because they don't have a lot of really good defense players. But I do think he's going to perform well. The question is, you know, they've got a good interior line group, you know, with Quinn and Williams and, and, and a good group over there. So I think... You know, as long as they can keep guys off of CJ and let him make plays and not have teams double team him, etc., and whatnot, you know, I think CJ is going to be a really productive guy this year. But uh, yeah, I, I think it is one of the real fascinating questions to see what this guy is going to look like after not essentially not having played for two years. I mean, he played basically a game and a half, you know, um, two years ago and didn't play, obviously opted out last year. So, um, you know, I think that's really one of the most compelling subplots to me, you know, outside of, you know, the offensive side of the ball and Zach and that kind of stuff. Um, certainly on defense, I think that's the most compelling side of the uh, compelling subplot is, is what he has left and what, he, what it's going to look like when he 
you know, when he's been out for so long. Mark, we, you already talked about the uh, opening game in Carolina. Beyond that, you got the Patriots in Week 2. And for the first time in my memory, uh, the Jets are playing the Patriots like twice in the first, what, six games. Uh, that that was odd. It is odd. Um, usually there's a later season game. Um, I think it's an advantage to the Jets, to be honest with you, because, I mean, I, th- I don't think you want to play any Bill Belichick team on the other side of the of the bye week, so to speak. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, Patriots are working in a rookie quarterback just like the Jets are, you know, so there's going to be growing pains for, you know, for Mac, Mac Jones, just like they're going to be for, uh, you know, for Zach Wilson. So, you know, I think it's an advantage if there is any such thing, you know, to be going up against the Belichick team with a rookie quarterback, you know, twice in the first six weeks rather than having to deal with him later in the season because, you know, undoubtedly, you know, the quarterback there is going to be a lot better than, than, he, than he is at the beginning of the year. And uh, as will the entire, t- you know, Patriot team. I mean, you know, Belichick's not the best coach in the business for nothing. Right. Uh, you know, even though the Patriots, you know, will have an experience and have a lot of question marks going into this year, I guarantee you they'll be playing a lot better ball at the end of the year than they are, will be the first few weeks. A lot of people are saying the Patriots are good enough to make the playoffs. Well, I want to see it. Look, they spent $140 million in guaranteed money to basically turn over the roster, uh, indication that Belichick was not happy with the roster he had, and they had to make changes. So Mac Jones uh, is, is the quarterback. Cam Newton's now looking for a job. Uh, and the rest of the division, Buffalo is obviously the favorite to win in the division. I've got one reservation about Buffalo. As good as I think Josh Allen is, they don't run the ball very well. Uh, I mean, Devin Singletary was their leading rusher with about 600 yards last year. Uh, but I still think they're the best team in the division. Then comes New England and Miami, or New England, Miami, Miami, New England. I mean, I look at Miami, and, and I've got my reservations about Tua. I really do, because we heard the rumor uh, that, the, that the Dolphins may be interested in acquiring Deshaun Watson, and, and they poo-pooed it, uh, Brian Flores said that, 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 you know, our quarterback is Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, you know, usually where there's smoke, there's fire. But why would you go after a quarterback who's facing like 20 counts of, uh, of problems he's got off the field with sexual harassment, etc.? He may not even be playing football. He may, be, he may get suspended by the league. Why would you even look yeah. in that direction? I, listen, I agree with you. I mean, that's a really, you know, that's a slippery slope there. You know, you mentioned those ten wins the Dolphins won last year. A lot of the reason they won ten wins was because of because of Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Right. I mean, you know, he was leading the way for a lot of that, right? and uh, obviously, you know, ended up taking over. But um, you know, I, I'm, you know, I look at Tua to a little bit of a degree, like I with the, with the uncertainty and the question marks that I look at some of these rookie quarterbacks, you know, like Zach Wilson and like. You know, like Mac Jones, you know, all, even though Tua has a little more experience, but he doesn't have that much more experience. You know, we haven't really seen him, you know, in a full season yet. And there do seem to be some reservations down there. I think they kind of, you know, they're whistling past the graveyard a little bit, like saying, oh, yeah, Tua's our guy. Okay, it's all good. You know, he's second year, ready to go. But as you said, you know, those rumors about the Dolphins being interested in Deshaun Watson, you know, People weren't making those up, you know. It's not fake news, you know. I mean, it's something. Something was going on there, you know. And uh, and listen, I mean, there's no question. I mean, 
Deshaun Watson's better than most quarterbacks in the league. So, you know, but the fact that they're looking at that, you know, with all of the things hanging over Deshaun Watson's head is curious to me. It really is curious. And it was not a good look, really, on the Dolphins' part that that got out because you how does that weigh on, on Tua's psyche as well, right? I mean, even though he doesn't have a guy like, you know, Fitz, you know, standing over his shoulder like he had last year, you know, I, if you're if you're Tua, you can't be that excited about the fact that, you know, the Dolphins were in pursuit of a guy that's, you know, that damaged goods, you know, off the field, so to speak. So, yeah, it's interesting to see how it's going to play out. I don't, you know, are the Patriots a playoff team? You know, I, I, I don't put anything past Belichick. I feel like the Patriots last year were still, organizationally, I think we're still in a state of shock that they didn't have Tom Brady quarterback anymore. Right. You know what I mean? Even though it didn't happen overnight. I just think that there was a weird kind of, Last year to me was just a lost year in New England. You know, I mean, the, the, the coaches, the fans, the players, everybody around it, I feel like it was just they had a hard time processing the fact that Brady was not quarterback of their team for the first time in 20 years, you know, and <laughs> all those Super Bowls later. I think that this reboot this year on New England's part, I'll be shocked if uh, if they're not a hell of a lot better team than they were this year than they were last year. And, I mean, I, I haven't seen Mac Jones play other than he's high on stuff, but, you know, everybody you talk to is pretty high on this guy. I mean, listen, Cam Newton was high on this guy before he was cut. You know, he was incredibly high on on, on how Jones was, was picking up the offense and, and performing and whatnot. So, um, you know, I don't put I don't put a pass page to, to, to the playoffs by any stretch of the imagination. I think, uh, look, I don't think Cam Newton could throw the ball 35 yards downfield. Uh, Mac Jones has had a tremendous amount of talent around him the last couple of years at Alabama. Great wide receivers, great running back uh, in Najee Harris. Uh, look, the balance of power in the AFC is still Kansas City and Buffalo. Uh, beyond that, you got the AFC North that's got three teams that made the playoffs. I keep my eye on Cleveland. I, I, think, I think Cleveland is going to be a team that people better watch out for. Well, Cleveland seems to be the sexy pick because, you know, because Mayfield made so many strides forward last year. You know, their defense has obviously got some real good playmakers. Um, and, uh, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., you know, he's healthy. How's it going to go? What kind of, you know, if they get through a year, you know, injury-free and drama-free, then, then him and, and, and Baker Mayfield could have, you know, they could be the best tandem in the league. But I, I need to see it. You know what I mean? I, 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 all these teams. I remember a couple of years ago, Jacksonville. You know, when they after they got the AFC Championship, they were they were going to be the next new you know team. And what's happened there? They crumbled. You know, quarter of the other the coach got fired. It just it, you know went to, it went to pieces. I'm not saying that's happening in Cleveland, but my point is, I, I I'm always skeptical of the pre these the preseason prognosticator people that all are picking the same team, you know, the kind of the same kind of, you know, surprise team or sleeper team or whatever, the new sexy pick. And right now that's the Browns. So I need to see that on the field before I jump on that bandwagon. But they've got a lot of talent there. There's no question about it. And I think I think you gotta give a lot of credit to Baker Mayfield for the strides he took, you know, last year. Um, you know, showing himself to be a leader and a lot more mature, you know, than a lot of people are giving him credit to be earlier on in his career. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with all of that. Uh, uh, Injury-free for Beckham, maybe. Drama-free, forget about it. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> hey, Mark, you, you stay safe. Thanks a million for your insight. Enjoy the season. All right, good talking to you, Howard. Take it easy. Same here. Mark Canizero of the New York Post who covers the New York Jets. It's um, <laughs> I look Buffalo is Buffalo. We you know we, we see who they are. They're going to be a tremendous team. Um, we'll get a feel for them early on. I think it's going to be very interesting in the AFC. The team that's supposed to be the team to beat is the Buffalo Bills. And Hello, this is Mark. To that end, here's Mark on of the uh, Buffalo News. How are you, Mark? Oh, great, Howard. Are you getting ready for uh, what could be a very exciting season in Buffalo? Yeah, well, I'm out here. Uh, practice just started here, so uh, uh, watching this practice. And, uh, you know, most people have uh, are picking the Bills to win the AFC East again, so it uh, should be a fun year. Where do you expect the challenge to come from in the division? They won the division by three games last year uh, over Miami. Is Miami uh, still in that position, or are we looking at a revamped New England Patriots team that uh, un- unconventionally Belichick spends $140 million in guaranteed money to basically turn over the roster? Yeah, well, you're sort of leading me in that direction, and I, I, agree, with, I agree. I think uh, New England is going to be formidable, uh, even though they're starting a rookie quarterback. Uh, I think he... Mac Jones is uh, ready, coming from Alabama, to be to have maybe fewer. We grow. Who knows how great, what the upside, the ceiling could be. But I, I think he's ready to have fewer growing pains um, than maybe an average rookie. Uh, and uh, I like the Patriots to be. Uh, a you know significant challenge to Buffalo. Uh, I'm picking the Patriots to be second in the AFC East, uh, and I think it might, it's a tough division. I think Miami's going to be good, uh, and the Jets are rebuilding, so we'll see. But I, I think um, uh, New England uh, is a, a real significant playoff contender for sure. Well, if they get in, who gets out? I mean, last year you had three teams from the AFC North that made the playoffs, plus the Bills, plus the Chiefs, plus uh, Tennessee and um, and Indianapolis. Uh, I think it's awfully tough to crack the, what, what we see because I don't see any of the AFC teams falling back a little bit. Where, do you? Well, uh, yeah, I, I agree with the premise that it is hard to see uh, a lot of teams falling back, but every year, uh, there are, you know, uh, five or six new teams in the playoffs. And so that's the challenge to <laughs> forecast. Uh, and probably two or three of those every year are just due to a large amount of misfortune to a good team. Take San Francisco last year, you know, who had, uh, was a very, is a very talented team, but, you know, they were decimated by injuries across the board. Uh, you know, their they're, they're star pass rusher, they're all broke uh, tight end, their quarterback, I mean, they were uh, uh, decimated. Um, so uh, it's impossible to predict that kind of thing. Two or three teams, you know, every year, two or three teams are just going to have their seasons uh, 
made much more challenging due to injuries. Um, I think, uh, you know, it, I'm not, I, Pittsburgh is uh, going to be an interesting team to watch. They started out 11 and 0 last year and then hit the skids. Um, you know, they've got a lot of changes. Uh, so it's, will they be able in a tough division to, uh, get back to the playoffs? I'm not so sure. I mean, they haven't had a loop. Ben Roethlisberger came into the league in 2004. He's never had a losing season, which is just un- uh, amazing, incredible, unfathomable. But, um, um, uh, so it's hard. It would, it's silly to pick that stable organization to, fall apart. I'm not saying that, but I think that it's going to be tough for Pittsburgh to make the playoffs this year. So we talk about Buffalo. You got to talk about Josh Allen and what a great year he had last year with 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, only 10 interceptions. Of course, you got Stefan Diggs to throw to who led the league with 127 receptions and 1,500 yards. That's a pretty good start. The question I have about the Bills is can they do something more with the running game? I mean, Devin Singletary led the Bills with 687 yards. That's a low total for a leading rusher of a team. I mean, Josh Allen was the third leading rusher on the squad. Yes, uh, that is a good question. The I think it is an important question. The Bills were, I want to say, 20th in the league in rushing, but if you that uh, is a little misleading because if you take out the quarterback, they were a lot worse than that. Um I don't think the Bills are a passing team. Uh, Josh Allen drives the bus, and they should be a passing team because of him and because of their talent they have at receiver. So that's not changing. Uh, I don't think the Bills need to rank 16th in the league in rushing this year, but they need to be more efficient. Their yards per carry needs to get a lot better. Um, So I don't think it's the total yards that matter as much as the yards per carry because when uh, teams naturally are going to sit back uh, uh, against this passing, like against any potent passing attack, Kansas City sees the same thing. Uh, don't let them beat you with the big uh, the big play. Force Kansas City, force Buffalo, force Green Bay to march 10, 12 plays on you. And if they're going to sit back, you need to, and have a light box, you need to run the ball to make them pay for that and the bills didn't weren't good enough as you mentioned at making defenses pay on the ground when they tried to sit back um so that'll be something to watch so i don't think it's that important that the bill that devin singletary becomes a thousand yard rusher i don't think it's that important that uh, they, the Bills put up huge rushing total total numbers, um, but they need to run better uh, and have about better yards per carry this year. I'm uh, talking with Mark Gaunt of the Buffalo News. Uh, the draft provided uh, some guys on the defensive side that should be able to help. I want to hear what you think about Greg Russo, uh, the defensive end from Miami who opted out last year. The year before, he had 15 and a half sacks. And the other one is um, uh, Carlos Basham at a Wake Forest, who was a tackling machine. Uh, they got him in the second round. Where do they fit in? Do they start right away? Uh, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I, I, I 
think that uh, that drafting of those two guys was a reflection of uh, where the Bills stand and what they need. The Bills lost twice to Kansas City, once in the regular season, got lost in the AFC Championship game, and Kansas City pretty much uh, won comfortably in that game. So then you watch the Super Bowl, and Tampa beat Kansas City by harassing uh, Patrick Mahomes all day. So the Bills' pass rush needed to be better. And they have two 34-year-old defensive ends in Jerry Hughes uh, and Mario Addison. So uh, for the short term and the long term, they drafted these two guys, first and second round. Um, my expectation, I think Rousseau, they played him a ton in preseason. He is going to see a lot of snaps early. They are going to force feed him uh, snaps and hope that as the year goes on, he gets better. And by the end of the year, He's a big asset. Uh, my expectations for Rousseau are low. I mean, he's 21 years old, one year of college football, sat out all of 2020, hasn't played a game, uh, a, I mean, a real game, in you know 16 months. Um, so projecting how he's – and he played at like 234 pounds uh, that one year, uh, the 2019 season for the Miami Hurricanes. Now he's up to – like 252, 255. So uh, it, it's a little, it's a big projection uh, of what, it, what to expect from Rousseau. Um, if he, he looked great in preseason, but again, it was mostly against backup players. That's uh, going to be a fascinating thing to watch. How quickly can he produce? If Rousseau has a big year, uh, yeah, the Bills are a real threat to Kansas City. The Bills need some pass rusher last year uh i think five sacks was their leading sacker uh their pass rush needs to be better if the bills can get two guys with nine sacks they could be they could top kansas city but uh that is a real projection <laughs> um i'm not saying that's going to happen well they open up against pittsburgh in buffalo then go to miami and then host washington so you've got three challenges right away um, but the schedule is not daunting necessarily. I mean, let's face it, Buffalo right now and Kansas City are the hunted in the AFC, right? No question. Uh, you know, you got to say Kansas City's the favorite, um, and it's probably looking like the favorite for the foreseeable future. Uh, and Buffalo has 20 of 21 starters back. So, yeah, Buffalo, uh, you know, expectations should be high for Buffalo. It would be a disappointment, you know, if they're not one of the top three seats in the AFC. So, um, you know, it's just a question of have they, have they gained ground on Kansas City? Uh, but, you know, uh, it, it, this is why we play the games. It's a, it's a long season. Yep. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I mean, there's a bunch of the the afc has a lot of good teams uh uh you know uh tennessee uh is a is a is a very good team they're dangerous uh baltimore is a super talented team maybe you know one of the best teams in the league of you know roster one to 53 um uh yeah indianapolis is a really outstanding team number two to 22 on their roster number one is their new quarterback Carson Wentz how good will it can he 
be as good as Philip Rivers was last season. If he is, Indianapolis is a threat to win the AFC for sure. Uh, if he isn't, you know, they take a step back. So um, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, uh, it will be, they've got a fascinating opener against Kansas City, and you'd be silly to count Cleveland out. Uh, they've improved their defense. Uh, they're, they're really good. So, uh, you know, um, there's a long way to go. And, uh, you know, the Bills have a lot to prove, you know, to prove that they're number one in the AFC East again. So, uh, you know, it's going to, that's, that's why we play the games. Before I let you go, Mark, tell me about the latest on the new stadium in Buffalo. The Bills, uh, current stadium, uh, is the lease runs out. Uh, in the summer of 2023, uh, and uh, they have started preliminary talks on what to do uh, about a new facility. Uh, and the NFL, obviously, just like the NFL does in every city, the NFL wants a new stadium. The stadium was built, uh, opened in 1973. Uh, so we, the, the Bills, are proposing uh, building an open-air stadium uh, here right in the same location. Um, you know, given the NFL's track record of uh, having success in negotiating uh, a public-private partnership and getting money, uh, communities to contribute, uh, you know, 30 or 40 percent or more, um, you, know, you know, the expectation is a deal is going to get done sometime in the next couple of years. Um, have you seen uh, Marv Levy? I mean, he's 96 years old now. I mean, I love that guy. I had more great conversations talking to him, uh, and I just think he's been such a huge part of the success of the Buffalo Bills, you know, during certainly during the 90s. Oh, yeah. Well, I talked to Marv this summer. He turned 96 this summer. He's doing great. He's an author. He's written several books uh, uh, in the last 10 years. Uh, just, a, you know, uh, Hall of Famer uh, in every sense of the word. So uh, you know he he, he's st he lives in Chicago uh, with his wife and uh, doing great. Still the author of one of the great lines: "You over officious jerk." <laughs> <laughs> I think every fan can relate to that. <laughs> Mark always enjoyed it. You enjoy the practice there, and and stop listening to the whistles. Okay. All right, Howard. Take care. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mark. Okay. Mark gone to the Buffalo News. <laughs> Marv Levy. I mean, my God. That Buffalo team should have won during that stretch in the 90s. They got to the Super Bowl four times in a row and couldn't win. Scott Norwood wide right. I mean, something always happened. And they were, I mean, they were a great team. Not a good team. They were a great team. They had everything. They had offense. They had defense. They had special teams. Great coaching. I mean, it's a shame, really, because it's a great fan base. Really enjoy going up to Buffalo to call games. I mean, I would say my favorite stadium in the NFL is Lambeau Field in Green Bay. It's like Yankee Stadium of the NFL. Uh, love calling games there. Love calling games in Buffalo. Love calling games in Kansas City because I always knew I was going to get a good steak, you know, the night before the game. But, you know, Here's the NFL getting ready to start day after tomorrow with uh, the Cowboys and Tampa Bay and the Cowboys. I mean, they're right at the edge of the cliff right now. 
and they could fall over the edge of the cliff because they got more problems right now from their quarterback to you name it. And I, I just, I'm not optimistic about the Dallas Cowboys. I know they have a great fan base, but they seem to have more problems than they can overcome. Is Tom Brady going to go back to back like he did when he was with New England and win a championship? Possibly. Uh, are they the best team in the NFC? Possibly. I expect a challenge from Green Bay. Uh, I expect Kansas City to get another challenge from Buffalo. And I mean, I think Buffalo, I mean, I think the AFC top to bottom is tougher. And, and I think it's going it's to show itself during the course of the season. Looking forward to Thursday night. Looking forward to the start of the NFL season. Hopefully you are as well. I'm Howard David. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. You stay safe. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.